0: Is it okay for the men not to be the main providers in today's society? More and more men are married to professional women who earn more money than they do. However, this wasn't always the case. And as it becomes more and more common, it is crucial that we discuss the societal shifts and personal effects. This may have in developing gentlemen. Some men see this as a source of shame or guilt, and we're here to help them shift their perspective on this rising marriage dynamic. You're listening to The Gentleman's Brotherhood. To another episode of The Gentleman's Brotherhood. I am Juan Cicruda, and today I have the pleasure of being here with my friend, Pablo Gonzalez. Pablo, thank you for joining me.
1: Juan, thank you for having me, man. The pleasure is all mine, my friend.
0: So I'm excited about this conversation because uh, recently we had a little discussion where something came up that we both share in common is that our, you know, we have the fortune of being married to women who are uh, very... Uh, very strong, very intelligent, and happened to be making a little bit more money than us, sometimes a lot of bits more money than us. So we started having this discussion about how how interesting it was that culturally things are changing in a way. And we realized that there are many men out there. And as we've done our, our research, we found that there's a significant number of men who end up in a relationship in which the, the lady is making more money than them. Now, in our conversation, we were talking about the fact that that doesn't change whether a man is a man or not, uh, but society has some uh, ex- expectations of the dynamic between a man and a woman that can have a significant influence in the individual and in the relationship. So we wanted to have that conversation here along with you so that we can try to wrap our heads around the numbers what can we do in order to deal with this uh change in in society and in what it means for us so so pablo i thought it was very interesting that we you know we we struck that that part of our uh of our life in the conversation and and we realized you know i didn't know that that was a fact for you and the situations are slightly different but there are a lot of things in common that we had. So, you know, just tell the 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 listeners about your your background when it comes to you know where you're from, where your parents are from, and that way we can segue into our, the cultural uh stigma with men and women's income.
1: Absolutely, man. I, I'm happy to be having this conversation. I think it's uh no other way to describe it but serendipitous. I had been when you and I connected that podcast movement, we set a, a call a week later. And in that week, I was in this space of reflection of how fortunate I am to have a wife that right now is able to carry the financial load while I am trying to build this business. And quite frankly, it's a very new thing to me, right? Like I, from the beginning of our relationships up until about two months ago, it was me. And for a certain amount of time, it was only me for a while while I was trying to give her some space to grow. So let's go back to the beginning part. I was born in Venezuela. Uh, I come from a very traditional Hispanic family. My dad's Cuban. I tell people that I am a Miamian more than anything because I was born in Venezuela. I left at a young age. I learned English in preschool. We moved to Spain for five years. I came back when I was nine years old and grew up in Miami in this very, Miami's a unique place. It's really just this Hispanic American area that is a halfway house between living in the United States and living in Latin America. So I really identi- self-identify as that. And it took me leaving that city, moving into California. That's also a very diverse place, yet it doesn't mix as well, like as homogeneously as it does. And living in a couple of different places before I realized the uniqueness of what that culture is and the fact that it has its own culture. So like you like I just said, I come from a very traditional Hispanic family where I'm the most American person in it. My brother and sister each got married at 23, straight out of college, have three kids. I got married at 33, don't have kids. Uh, At one point when I was starting my career, I graduated from the University of Florida and I got a job that was this executive and training program for a national uh, construction company, moved me to California and I remember telling my mom that I was moving to California. I, I might as well have told her that I'm like eloping with some dude in China because it was so foreign to her. Not because there's anything wrong with that, but to her, it's just a very foreign concept that I would leave the nest so far away to start my own thing. And it was really in doing that that I started kind of delineating between my identity as a member of my family. That's a very. It's a very positive thing in my life, but it's also a big shadow it casts on me in my life. Mm-hmm. And then my identity and the person that I was becoming as an adult myself. That plus the fact that I grew up with an older sister who was always raging against the Hispanic double standard against woman huh. made me into a bit of a raging feminist. Interesting. So I've just always been very sensitive to, to the to the two differences of how the world sees and treats male versus how the world sees and treats woman across the multicultural lines that I have always lived in. And it's been a big topic for me. And
0: that's, that's interesting because uh, in, in our conversation um, last week, we were talking about the fact that there, there seems to be a pendulum swing and we have to be very mindful of, of the fact that our goal is for there to be an equilibrium for there to be uh, where at one point, especially uh, when you think of the the Hispanic uh, culture, it's male-dominated. And by its very nature, the expectations on the male are you are to be the sole provider, you are to be uh, the head of the household, you are to be the one that calls the shot, and the lady is there to support you. Now, that's both a cultural and uh, generational shift that we are experiencing on our own ventures moving into uh, into the states, but that pendulum uh, pendulum swing that I refer to, um, I I don't think that it would be uh, healthy for for relationships if it swings too far back. Which is one thing that I've noticed where there seems to be an animosity or an antipathy against males. And it doesn't have to be that, you know, we understand it has, society has been mostly male dominated for, you know, countless uh, generations and there has to be a push to bring fairness into the mix. And we seem to, uh, there's a lot of work to be done in order for there to be equality in all fronts when it comes to men and women. Um, But for, you know, what you have is, is, having that mindfulness that there has to be an equilibrium. We have to be able to form healthy partnerships. And I think that's going to be a, you know, a very important point in our conversation, in our conversation is like, how do we actually find that that balance, you know, in in that sweet spot where nobody is getting hurt uh, because the other person is being more successful?
1: I agree. And listen, I think it's a very universal theme. I think it's just the anytime that there is an imbalance in power, when you go back to when you go back to the rightful power shift, people get stuck in the short term momentum of it. I don't think it's very different. What women are experiencing now in being restored to their true place in society is not very different than the same thing that happens in Silicon Valley where there's a bunch of really smart guys that grew up being picked on for being nerds and are now in power and therefore have created this, just like, I suffered through this. So now it's my turn to, to, to take a dump on you kind of culture. Right. So yeah. I think it's a universal thing. I don't think it's exclusive to women, but in, in the regard of what we're talking about right now, you know, it's very specific to the, Freedom of information has made it so that you can no longer have this. And I believe this is Brene Brown's language, who I very much respect. Right, but she talks about how we've been in this power over dynamic forever, and anybody that has some kind of advantage holds a power over somebody to keep that to keep that advantage, fill their pockets, and then like break off breadcrumbs to everybody else. And as as information is free, how, I, I, as injustices are no longer super easy to ignore because you can just keep him hidden and keep him under the rug. We're having to figure out how to win with power with, we're trying to figure out how to have the rising tide float all the boats. And that's the long way to win as opposed to just me standing up here and putting my foot down on you. And that is historically associated with the feminine energy Fe, the feminine energy has historically been associated with the the community builder and, and 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 the one that nurtures people around them while the male energy has been this confrontational energy and it doesn 't really need to be male and female, but that 's just the associations that we have with it, and therefore our gender roles have come out of all this stuff
0: yeah and you know gender roles in in of course in society today are experiencing. A title shift it has been uh, it it has gone from a very traditional uh, almost dualistic kind of uh, point of view where now people are recognizing there are more flavors to this there are more um, there's room for more uh, descriptors when it comes to gender and the roles associated to them and You know, it's got you. I'm glad you mentioned that uh, uh, that female energy. Uh, If you think about traditionally from our Latino upbringing, you had the man of the house, and then you had the lady of the house, and you had characteristics, traits, chores that were assigned to each one, and there was very little intermingling between the two. It was frowned upon if, you know, if the boy is spending time in the kitchen with his mom. And today we recognize, or at least I, I recognize, and most of the people that I associate with recognize that there is a spectrum. You will have some males, some men who were born biological male, who have Characteristics or traits, inclinations uh, that are going to be somewhat feminine in our uh, traditional perception of, of of gender roles, and are we to as leaders, uh, are we to chastise them and say, no, that's not what you're supposed to do? You know, you're supposed to be, in other words, man up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right? Listen, one, one very tangible example for me. And this may be different for everybody, but, but like, I think creativity is to a certain extent attributed to the female power. And I remember growing up, I was a natural actor, man. Like I, I, you know, I, I went into high school drama one and immediately the teacher took me out, put me in advanced drama and gave me one of the lead roles in, in, in one of the, in one of the plays as a freshman. And I remember my mom not allowing me to take drama the next year. Cause she's just like, how would you feel if your dad was an actor? Like, like, that's some kind of, you know, shameful thing. I'm like, I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. Like, I don't, I don't understand where we're going here, mm-hmm. right? But like, everything from, I mean, you talk about being in the kitchen, but creativity for, you know, there there's all these just insinuations and, and different cues that 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 we take from from the ambient noise of it all that isn't necessarily a healthy thing, right? Like, it doesn't serve, just like it doesn't serve women to be told that they need to be in the kitchen, it doesn't really serve men to be told that, Creativity is no place is not your place. You need to go be a high power executive. And that's not a creative thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's, you know, I'm glad that we we've reached that point in in our society where we're having those conversations. And granted, we still have the uh, generations that preceded us. They're still among us and they still have A very influential voice so there will be that friction between what is expected of us and what we actually accomplish or embrace based on our evolved ways of thinking Uh, now going back to the my wife is the breadwinner portion of the of the discussion we have uh, you and I share that in common that in this moment uh, our wives are have a more stable or predictable amount of income coming in Uh, me as an artist and uh, an entrepreneur I have my peaks and valleys when it comes to to making money and there are months that I make a lot more money than my wife and there are other months where I'm making a lot less than my my wife is now I want to explore a little bit how you felt whenever you started noticing this Um, because initially when it was when it kind of started happening it was it was easier at the very beginning it was much easier i'm like okay that's fine like this this is an ebb and flow her upward mobility in her corporate job it was of exponential growth and it was a very steep uh curve so she was growing in the company and her income was following uh with that so now it came to like many months went by and I was nowhere near making as much money as she was. So then things in me, because of my cultural expectations of what the man is supposed to to be, I started questioning, it's like, you know, am I doing the right thing? Should I go out and find a job? You know, in making peace with, you know, when we go out to dinner, her paying a lot of the times, like that was a very difficult dynamic to to become comfortable with. Do you find any kind of parallels with, with that in your experience?
1: Juan, I'm I'm kind of in the beginning of this piece. So I, I'm happy that we're having this conversation now to set me up for, for how that stuff's going to feel. I think that I can tell you that for, you know, I've been with my wife for seven years, married for a little bit over five. And from the moment we were married, it was never a. Immediately, we went to the same bank account, the same credit cards. It, there was we never had this like separation of whose money is is whose. But I can tell you that I psychologically definitely felt a sense of entitlement of like, man, if I want to take a surf trip to Costa Rica with my buddies, like I, I think I'm entitled to it because I'm I'm winning it, right? So I'm I'm kind of seeing. I see how that could creep in on the other side. And on the same side, now that I'm not the one that's bringing in the dough, as as as, as one would say, I, I feel a little bit of, I would feel more guilty planning something purely for myself to enjoy myself. That being said, I have had this vision of my wife needs just a certain little bit of push. and We talked about this, right? Like I, I see her as a more talented person than me. Like I see her as somebody that she's an incredible architect and where she was struggling with was in self-worth and understanding how to really get the most out of that. And she just needed to find an environment where she could succeed. At first, I thought it was going to be entrepreneurship. And it turns out that that doesn't look like that's the case, but now she's found this company that is a non-traditional architecture firm that isn't so like masochistic about the whole um shift of power and how people are supposed to be treated as architects and, and and get paid like starving artists kind of thing, and has afforded her a bunch of opportunities, which has her thinking on a whole nother level. But when we took the when we took the move to move from Miami to here, a lot of what I was thinking at the time was, okay, if I can give Marta some distance. So that she can establish herself, then in four years, we're like hanging out on Oprah's yacht because I think she's like that talented kind of thing. So I've, I've had in the back of my mind her being the, the capability of her being the absolute breadwinner and me being a support system. But I have yet to start confronting the mixed feelings that I'm sure will inevitably come with it, which is one of the reasons why when we started speaking, I was like, this is something I want to start talking about. I yeah. want to start getting it out there and just started getting familiar, which has led us to this conversation.
0: And I think of this, there are men out there uh, that are going to experience this. And just to you know, share some numbers, um, according to uh, Reach Advisors, uh, his president, uh, James Chung, he, they, they did a study where they looked at census data along with uh, local demographics and uh, earning uh, reports to they s- selected some specific cities, including New York, I think they had Atlanta, and it showed that women between the ages of twenty and thirty uh, were earning on average eight percent more than their male counterparts and And these were single women. So you're talking about women that don't have a husband yet they're preparing, you know, they're growing up their career and they might be dating, right? Imagine you as a single guy meeting and recognizing that a significant number of these women uh, of your same age are making more money than you. If you haven't had this thought or had this conversation about, if, is that okay? You may be completely removing yourself from the pool because you may think it's inadequate that she pays for dinner one time, or you may think it's inadequate that, you know, you start in a relationship where she is making more money than you. So you see, for, especially for the young men who are not fortunate like us to have already taken the step of finding um, a, you know, a, a, a partner who is uh, good for us, if they're out there, how are they going to deal with that? How are these men going to feel okay allowing her to pay for the dinner and the movie or giving him a, a better gift at Christmas? You yeah, know?
1: I I think that's real, man. I have a little bit of experience with that. You know, I, when I was first out of college, I graduated and got a, and got a a good paying job with a good career track straight out of undergrad. And a lot of my friends went to grad school. And when, that happened uh, a certain demographic of my friends went into law school right and came out making a ton of money being big lawyers and it went from like me being the guy that was balling while they were in grad school to them clearly balling way more than me and within that i started dating this girl that was in big law right and she was making i don't know 150 grand a year while i was making like 75 and that issue came up, but it came up from her side. Like she was, she also came from an an Italian, Hispanic background. And I remember her, it obviously didn't work out. I'm not married there. But I remember her saying, well, how are you going to feel if I'm making more money than you and stuff? And I I guess it's just not in me. And and I want to have this conversation because I I don't know if there's something inherent inside of me that that has some value to offer here, or I just haven't come to grips with it. Right. But like when she brought that up, at no point did that register that that was an issue for me. Um, I'm sure it would become an issue once my you know, like if if my family were to start being like, well, what's going on? Why is she doing X, Y, Z or blah, blah, blah. Or if your boys are just like, well, whatever, man, you're just like a house husband or something like that. I think it's a matter of when you're asking me, like how does a man deal with this stuff? I think it's just a matter of understanding your own self-worth, right? Like in, in these traditional gender roles, the men's self-worth is, is around being a protector. And I think that then, that then gets transcribed to being a provider. And I don't think that those things, I think those things are mutually exclusive. They might be correlated, but they're mutually exclusive. You can, you can still be a protector in the sense that real life example when my wife was negotiating her salary for this role that she's in right now, she, it wasn't with this company, but the company before that she was first interviewing with, they were lowballing her. So I, as a guy who has never had to had an issue understanding myself worth at work, the same way that it is correlated with woman understanding that and hence why they are, you know, these statistics are out there that they don't ask for more or whatever. They're underpaid, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to guide her through that negotiation because I have experience in that, whether or not it was for me or not, you know, like I was still protecting her self-worth in that regard. Right. Like if in the same way, I would imagine that if some dude was to come up to her on the street and start doing something inappropriate and it becomes a physical thing, then it's on me. Right. Cause yeah. I'm the bigger person in, yeah. in, in mass. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you just got to understand your self-worth and understand that what you have to offer is valuable whether or not it's money or, or it's emotional support, like the way that women have been kind of like cornered into that being the value of that, that they bring or or anything else, right? It's just understanding that you have some kind of inherent value and it's not measured by how much money you make. It's measured by something internal, not something external.
0: Yeah. That's, that's a very good uh, explanation, especially for for the younger men who are beginning to, organize their life they're making their career plans they're starting to look at uh, solidifying their you know romantic relationships it is important that they are comfortable with their self-worth that is I think that's crucial and it's something that uh, I've seen uh, is lacking in in you know some age uh, brackets but part of what the mission is with the gentleman's brotherhood is to To have those conversations and help these men recognize that you as an individual with your own traits, your experience, your preferences, you have a worth that is, there's a net worth in there that's attractive to a significant uh, partner. So you will find someone who will value those things. Now, you compete against your own self. You know, your you, your focus needs to be to continue to improve yourself, recognize what your faults are, and then act upon those findings. Um, but there's another aspect too of uh, men dealing with, uh, with this and it's understanding the facts. You know, unless we had this discussion and we looked at the fact that a lot of these women out there are making more money already from the get-go. If you recognize that, you don't see that as a, deficit on your part you see that as it's just a matter of fact that's that's just the environment in which i'm going to be uh developing myself yep so if you know that i'll pair it up with the fact that you are securing yourself and you have a plan of improvement as a man you can find a woman even if she uh earns more money The Gentleman's Brotherhood is made possible in part by the generosity of our supporters on Patreon. Our supporters unlock access to benefits including an insider's look into the Sepulveda studio, exclusive access to bonus content, instant access to a secret podcast called The Chamber, and much more. To help support the creation of content that makes a difference in the lives of men, visit patreon.com slash Juan Sepulveda. Now, there's one other thing that you mentioned that I thought was very important. You mentioned the parents' expectations. In one of the conversations that I was listening to uh, from this lady, who she wrote a book specifically about the uh, upcoming uh, pay parity between men and women. The trend is moving in the direction where women, uh, it's expected to by 2030 for there to be uh, that e- equality per se. Now, this is very nuanced because uh, different genders have a historical preference for different kinds of of employment, so the gender gap cannot be uh, completely attributed to uh, you know us one single variable sure. uh, but but anyway in 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 what she she was writing, she was talking about uh, the fact that one of the current most damaging influences were the expectations of the parents of the spouse. So you have your in-laws, you know, perhaps having a perception of you as a slacker for not making enough money as the girl. Yeah. And think about that. Growing up in a, previous generations, they're nurturing this little girl. They want her to find a man who is going to take care of her. And you see, it's it's a very uh, chauvinistic uh, Expectation, but from their standpoint, it is the norm. It's the normal cultural expectation. The man that she's going to find is going to put her, protect her, provide for her. So you have that um, immense amount of pressure, and then again, information becomes your your shield here.
1: it's true. It's true. It's and you know, I don't I don't know how much information is going to help somebody change a narrative that they've been telling themselves their entire life right yeah. so in in that regard man i honestly think that acceptance of it from the from, from the from the son in law is 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 going to be a big part of it right like it's just being able to like going in there thinking that you're going to change the perception of somebody that's been telling themselves that my little princess is going to find a prince forever yeah. it, it's going to be really really hard man i, I remember my cousin Again, I'm the most American person in my family. I was really fortunate that we left Venezuela really young, right? And and with this whole mass migration of Venezuelans, I've 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 had my cousins get put in very hairy situations. And one of my you know, my best friend in my family, it, he he was in this in this period for a long time where he couldn't really legally work and he was hustling and doing a million things and whatever and he fell in love with this woman that also Venezuelan, but she was here legally and 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 was in medical school. So she wasn't making money either. And he told me that when he asked for her hand in marriage, his now father-in-law sat him aside and said, you know what, when I, how old are you? And he's like, Um, oh, I'm X, right? And he's like, at your age, I had started two businesses. How are you going to provide for my daughter? And it was this like really soul crushing conversation for him that he just had to swallow man you know like he had to he had to sit there be comfortable in the fact that like you know what man i don't have that answer for you but i can tell you that whatever is going to happen is going to be for the best of your daughter because that is my intention and now they have a beautiful family like i'm actually getting choked up thinking about it cuz he went through so much pain with it but now they have this beautiful family she's a doctor he's in construction he's doing really 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 well and 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 he has shown me so much in his like grit and resilience but man, that's a hard pill to swallow when someone tells you something soul crushing. And, you know, it's part, of, it's part of that perseverance that you need to have and understanding that things are changing. People are stuck in, in the stories that they've been telling themselves their whole life, and their story doesn't have to be your story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's very, very uh, good advice there because measuring yourself based on the success of other people can be so toxic in an individual's development um and as creators we inevitably are going to look at other people and where they are in their career that is like almost by definition one of the things that we do whenever we're involved in social media involved in public speaking these, these sort of things uh but it takes a special kind of training for you to be able to look at that and in, and transform that initial uh, visceral reaction of, oh man, they're doing better than me. And changing that to fuel, changing that to an actual motivator for you to actually become better. And in the event of a, of a young man who is ready to settle down and and find a, a wife who will accompany in his journey through life, um, it would be very important for him to be, and I keep on going back to mindful, because... It is such a crucial part of being able to succeed, recognizing, like being aware of what your mind is telling you, you know, having uh, your mind attuned to understanding, this is what I felt, but now through my cognitive abilities, I'm going to do my very best to, you know, utilize that thought and change it. Growing up, uh, you know, I, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. So not only, you know, I, I spend 20 years, you know, my formative years were spent in the Island where that narrative is constantly drilled into you. The man is the provider, you know, you need to be the head of the household. And I had, um, I was very fortunate. My father had a business, so he spent a lot of time outside of the house, you know, earning the the living you know making bringing home the bacon as they say and i spent a lot of time with my mother and my mother i remember that in several occasions she mentioned to me that she wanted me to be the best son in law a mother in law could want that's a very specific want for a kid yeah, yeah. <laughs> and part part of how she mentioned And she would highlight some things like, you see, there's no reason for me to do all of this by myself. You also eat, you also wear the clothes. I need you to be a part of this, be helpful. Right. So it it was very positive for me to have that kind of influence where I could see that I was still nurtured to be a man. I wasn't brought up to be a woman or anything else. I was being brought up to be a man. And secure in my own masculinity, but still be able to do some of these tasks that were normally relegated to the the feminine gender. So doing dishes is okay. It will make you less of a man. If your wife cooked, for example, and you do the dishes, that's perfectly fine. Even though some people from older generations or different cultures would frown upon that
1: yeah right. it's it sounds so it sounds so obvious man, but like I hear you telling this story, and I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about right like it's it it's one of these things i i think that in that it goes to it goes both ways right like I think that you also have to I guess what I'm trying to say is that the older I get, the more I realize I'm like my mom, too, while I grew up just wanting to be like my dad. And you have to you have to foster that stuff, man, like you have to like really nurture that piece. And I love to give my mom the feedback that this whole networking sociability thing that I have built my life around comes from her right while i was while i was being raised to be a high powered executive like my dad who is my hero and i adore him and 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 what i and what i love to compliment my dad on is his ability to evolve right like my my dad you know came came at 15 years old from cuba kicked out of his house because the government took over man like think about how much of an angry young man you were at 15 or how, how much of a vulnerable you, young man you are at 15 and how pissed off you would have grown up to have that chip on your shoulder And he has, and he has evolved to be, I mean, I always saw him as a caring person, right? But like, we always used to make fun of his crankiness, right? (laughs) And, and he's evolved to be this like, you know, very reasonably open-minded person that whose, whose opinions have evolved through the years. And I, and I love to nurture that in him, just like I love nurturing in my mom that, mom, while I have only known you to be a, a mother and a carer of a household, you have all these amazing qualities that could have made you the top salesman for Proctor and Gamble Worldwide kind of thing. You know, like and 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 I think you gotta you gotta change those perceptions not just from you down, but you have to also start working it on the way up too and 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 highlighting these traits of just like, yeah, we live in a different world. And it may be because that's that's one of the things that I struggle with, right? Whenever I'm making this like move that is not in line with everything that's always been expected of me. My mom likes to go to this place of, you know, I'm just raising you the way that I was raised. And because it works so well for me, I just want you to be happy kind of thing. And I'm like, you're right, mom. And I don't I don't judge that at all. Like I I, I respect that. Like my grandparents did an amazing job with you. And that was what was needed in the times, right? Like that was the structure in which you grew up when. But now we're we're growing up in this different structure where there's a a whole nother boundary of things. And it would be very limiting to myself to not explore that stuff to in the context of the world we live in. Right. So like I like to apply the context that they grew up in, in how they would have been today at the same time as me, you know, exploring my boundaries as a non-traditional male in their eyes.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a good thought experiment because you, you're able to like take a step back and see, okay, these are the characteristics that they had. These are their traits. This is what makes them apply to a different kind of profession, apply to a different kind of environment. They would have been able to do this or that. So it's good to put at least visually have, have that option to, to see them through that, through that lens. There are two things there that I, I wanted to, to bring up first. Um, you mentioned when thinking of your of your mother, all oh, you have all these traits, and you have these things that you applied them to something else. You know, you would have done X or Y, right? There's another side to that too, which is like her decision not to pursue that, right? What is what was gained with her decision to not do that, right? There's a value, in my opinion, uh, of her staying home taking care of you and your siblings, uh, supporting the father and the support of the father, uh, the father figure, you know, we sometimes think of it as a, uh, whatever you, you know, almost like, uh, sub, uh, not subversive, but like, uh, a, a, almost like a lesser role. It's like, no, I help you go mm-hmm. up. Submissive. Right? Submissive is the word. Thank you. Um, but oftentimes that's not how it is, especially when you um, I was t- uh, telling you that I was a I was reading a book uh, by Henry Ford it's called "My Life and Work by Henry Ford so this was published back in nineteen twenty two when he was you know much older so he's reflecting back at his life his decision making in order to build the you know hen- the Ford Motor Company and one theme that I came across in this book very often is the crucial role his wife played not just in holding the fort you know as we, you know not just keeping the house in order but also as a trusted advisor to him as a motivator as the person that puts the resistance and said no don't give in what you have is good what you have is better than these other people stick to your guns and focus on that strategy so it um Henry Ford's wife, even though the only name you hear is Henry Ford, his wife was crucial in helping him um, achieve what he did and leaving the legacy that he did with, the, with his motor company. So I say all that to, to shine a light on the fact that there is great value in that stay-at-home individual, right? And by the same token – if you are that stay-at-home individual right Mm -hmm. the value that you bring in supporting your wife the value that you bring in helping her strategize her uh salary negotiation the value that you bring in helping her recognize her self-worth when it comes to the corporate structure that has even more value than a check than you know a number so Coming to grips with that for you and I and for any of the men that are listening to this, I think it's going to be very helpful because you're not only measured by what the money that you can bring into the house, your value spreads across many fronts, uh, including the support that you give, the advice that you give, the leadership uh, in your own respect. So uh, I I really hope that someone's listening to this that at the moment in their life that they have to listen to this. For them to become a better man and a gentleman,
1: I mean it's count me in for that right like i'm I'm listening to this <laughs> me, at the moment, I need to be listening to this like i'm I'm going back and thinking, yeah man that's that's all true and and I keep going back to the I, I keep going back to the idea right like i I had a watershed moment where my wife absolutely gave me the right piece of advice, and I think that she's had watershed moments where I've given her the right piece of advice. And it all comes down to, you know, you spoke about mindfulness and to me, mindfulness is one sub, you know, one subset of communication. To me, mindfulness is how you talk to yourself and then it's how do you talk to the people around you? And there is no more important communication pattern than the one that you have with the person that you have planned your entire life around. So it, it, moves into this space where it's understand the conversation that's going on inside of your head and how you're talking to yourself and then understand that that person that you're living with isn't having that conversation with you and you need to communicate that conversation with them so that you can each move through these tricky steps and around each other's boundaries because at the end of the day it's all about having the proper boundary that you have, right? I heard I heard a great quote. Again, I think it was might have been Brené Brown again. Um, <laughs> talking talking to um, oh what's the guy? That British comedian that's like oh I brought um the <laughs> Russell uh-huh. Brand. Uh
0: huh. So
1: they had a they had a great talk about boundaries. And she said that the you know the perfect boundary is the exact distance from where I can love myself and love you equally. So being able to establish a communication pattern where that boundary is kept that you can love yourself and love your spouse equally. As long as you keep that, you can navigate all these hard waters and all this noise and all these external expectations and all this inner talk that you're having with yourself. As long as you're able to hold your boundary and hold the other person to their boundary, which at the end of the day, is that great piece of advice that you
0: have to offer. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I love that. Communication is key. And you hear that all the time, all through life. You hear Communication, you know, it's is the is the foundation of any good relationship, whether it's a business relationship, romantic relationship, or or anything else. Uh, but in this case, uh, and and you brought up a a good point in the notes that being proactive in communication. Now, for the gentlemen listening to this, that they're still building their lives, still forming that foundation upon which they will construct the rest of their lives. This is one thing that I think: if 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 you if you take no other action uh, from this conversation, improving your communication with your partner is going to be the number one thing to follow. Especially being proactive in that communication. Finance is the number one source of uh, divorce. It's it's the catalyst by which all other problems are amplified. And if we are too demure about talking about money or if we're we're too secretive about the the money or, or having that those straightforward conversations then you're just allowing this insidious current to drift you into uh what ends up consuming most uh people that end up in divorce like you have some bitterness that grows out of perhaps that inequality in income you may have some resentment because you get to stay home and spend time with the kids. And I don't, I have to go out every day and work and I'm missing all these highlights of, of our kids. So if those conversations aren't had and you don't have that openness to discuss, listen, I don't like this part of the dynamic. Is there a way that we can adjust our lifestyles to make up for that void? Uh, those are compromises that are going to pay incredible dividends in the future. And you will hear a lot of detractors. You'll hear a lot of people who are influenced by the, their culture and yes. the preconceived uh, preconceived notions of what a man should be. They'll give you a different kind of advice. Uh, I, I do hope that the gentleman listening can see that we are in a pivotal moment in uh, in society and there are changes that need to have need to happen for you know for the balance of of men and women in relationships to be a fruitful and healthy one
1: agreed man agreed i i you know i'd like to i'd like to leave with two kind of parting advice pieces one is think about the last time that you got really frustrated with your spouse or with anybody, (laughs) but right now we're talking about your spouse, right? Last time you got really frustrated with your spouse and ask yourself, did I tell them what was pissing me off? (laughs) You know, like the biggest mistake I see people make is just assuming that the other person's thinking what you're thinking and then holding them to that standard. So before, before you get to that point, just make sure you put it out there. And then the next step of that piece is that, you know, as, I got recommended this book called "Hold Me Tight" by Dr. Sue Johnson, and Dr. Sue Johnson talks about this conversation, this like death spiral of a conversation that a lot of couples get stuck in, which is when, and it, I think it stems from this root issue, and it's when one something is going wrong with your spouse, and you see it start to spiral out of control. What you're gonna what you're gonna notice is a pattern of somebody lashing out because they're not getting something that they need. And then the other person rationalizing to themselves, well, they're just lashing out again. I just got to give them some space because there's nothing I can do about this. Mm. And I'm just, as long as I just swallow it right now, maybe later, they're going to be in a better mood so that we can talk about this. If you have, if you find yourself in that pattern, you need to very, very specifically ask yourself what, is the root cause of this? What am I not providing that's happening here? And stop that pattern, right? Like stop it, you know, and you don't have to be like, no, shut up. But you have to say, let's talk about what's happening here, not let's wait until she's cooled down, or let's, you know, let's, you know, retreat some, because the more you retreat, the more that person's going to lash out some more. Mm-hmm. And with these issues like money, like, you know, not being able to fit to your societal standards and, and the articles that, that you sent me to read it before this, there was one that specifically spoke about a marriage falling apart because the wife stopped respecting this guy because he wasn't making enough money. I guarantee you that they they would have had this conversation of like, what is it that you're not respecting about me not making money? Is it that I'm also not Doing this because yeah. it's not—it's not that you know. Very few people are that shallow that all they care about is your earning potential. Correct. At the end of the day, it's all about the value you add to a relationship that can. Um, Rick, oh God, I always mess up his name, man. Farazi, the guy that wrote "Never Eat Alone." He's on this new kick about co-elevation, how relationships are about co-elevating each other. Those are the those are the most um, healthy relationships that you have. So. When you were stuck in that rut, if you are in that hole where you're just like, well, nothing is working, whatever, because I've done everything I can and she just doesn't get it. Ask yourself, it's, you might be doing everything that you can from the things that you think are available to you. But have you really asked what is missing of the piece that you were supposed to be co-elevating and have that conversation, hold that boundary, yeah. don't continue to retreat? because you're only just punting down, you know, down the field and something's just going to get worse and it may become irreparable. The best thing that you can do is to try to, de- you know, get into the discomfort, you know, go into the dark with your eyes open and try to see in the dark kind of thing.
0: I love it. Great advice. Pablo, thank you very much for for the time you've given us for this conversation. I, I think it's helpful, not just for the two of us to have this conversation but the the many men who will listen to it and and identify with one thing or another um, my goal with the gentleman's brotherhood is to to be that to be that place where we can sit down and have these conversations because we're not perfect. Uh, we are seeking the perfection of our mind our body our, our spirit and and this doesn't happen in isolation it, 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 it is crafted through these conversations through the relationships that we build. And I'm glad that I'm building a relationship with you, my friend, and mm-hmm. and, and you know that we that we can co elevate each other. So I, I really like that very much. And you know, for the gentlemen listening, uh, we thank you for the time that you've spent listening to this. If you found it edifying, if you found this information helpful, uh, make sure to subscribe to to our channels, whether it's a podcast or the YouTube channel, and and find another man who could benefit from this. Uh, we have a lot of of men who are perhaps relying only on their preconceived notions or the information they they've acquired uh, through their life experience but it might be very helpful for them to actually hear from other men like them who also have that desire to become better and uh, be part of uh, of of the gentleman's brotherhood so thank you again for for listening and until next time i wish you courage courtesy and candid conversation Before you switch to the next podcast, let me ask you a question. Did you find this episode enjoyable? Did you find any part of it edifying or informative? If so, please consider supporting our show by choosing one of these options. Mainly by sharing it with other men through social media or through your own blog. By leaving a brief rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Or simply by making a purchase in our store at thegentlemansbrotherhood.com regardless of the way in which you choose to support the show. Thank you.
1: And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.